Jason Zucker scored 27 goals. He assisted on 21 others over the 78 games that he played this past season. His 48 points were fifth highest on the team. And yeah, no, that does not at all describe what his worth was. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. It's close to impossible to quantify what Zucker meant to these Penguins. And yeah, I know when you say that, the first thought that comes to mind is, well, what did he mean? They didn't make the playoffs. Nobody meant anything. But he was that guy that Mike Sullivan would regularly and almost disturbingly describe as the one who drags us into the fight. He's the big mouth on the bench. He was the one that would go out and have that exceptional shift that would remind everyone else without even having to say a word of the pace at which they all should have been playing. But my goodness, the gap between him and in that regard, in the energy regard, and the next highest person on a given night, because sometimes that would fluctuate. You'd have nights where Sid was really feeling it and he was through the roof and Gino might have it on a different night. And But Zucker was there nonstop, nonstop. Even his long-standing run of injuries because of his style of play forced him to miss only four games. Now, he wasn't at 100% for a good bunch of those, and you could see that. There's clearly some issue that requires him to sit on a stool on the Penguins bench rather than the actual bench. Uh, Not all the time, but every once in a while. I've got to presume that that's a back. And that's been there for a couple of years now. That stool would make the odd appearance And no one, by the way, wants to talk about it. Zucker wouldn't talk about it. Sullivan wouldn't even acknowledge seeing it. And, well, you know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah, he's an unrestricted free agent. And he's going to be 31 years old. And he's got the issues that I just mentioned. And this team, for as productive as that top six was this past season, particularly five on five, not so much, obviously, on the power play. If Zucker's retained, you're talking about a top six that's entirely over 30, and in a couple of cases, and you know who, getting way up there. All of these things have to be weighed before you even begin contemplating a salary cap fit. And I got to be honest with you, I'm not sure it's there. I'm not sure it's there. I would love to see the cap be a complete non-issue, and I would love to be able to sign Zucker to some kind of shorter-term, safer deal, but that's not plausible. When Zucker goes onto the open market, he will have suitors. He will have teams that are willing to pay up for what he just showed over the past six months. He'd like to stay in Pittsburgh. He made that clear, including on the day of the locker cleanout, uh, and passionately so. But I wouldn't often conflate 
someone saying that with, oh, yeah, but I'll definitely take less than half of what I could get out on the open market if I stick around. He's a good player, a good dude. He's someone you would absolutely want. But again, the whole thing needs to be taken into consideration. If you look at the Penguins cap situation currently, like as in right now, nobody signed, uh, not Zucker, not Tristan Jari, not Brian Dumoulin, and you say, all right, there's around $20 million in cap space. And then you say, okay, there's nothing we can do about Jeff Carter, but we can, and probably should, approach Mikhail Granlund about a buyout of the god-awful remainder of his contract. Two more years at $5 million each. Cap hits. Each. And you can say, as the new GM, my priority here, right now, above and beyond anything else, is making this team, A, stronger in goal. That's number one. I'm not messing around with the most important position. If that means I'm letting Jari go and I'm letting somebody else go that I don't want to give up, like a Zucker, I'm going to have to do it. I'm sorry. We'll find somebody else to be the second line left winger, ideally someone young. And B, as the new GM, I owe it to myself, even if just for selfish purposes, if we're being honest here, to allow myself some flexibility here because already the job is coming with a ton of constraints. This isn't like uh, any old NHL job. You walk in and there's X times 10 amount of circumstances that you can't and maybe wouldn't, but also can't which is what I'm stressing here, do anything about. You've got Sid, you've got Gino, you've got Chris Letang. You've got a big, big chunk of this roster that's already set. You've got a big, big chunk of your cap space that's already eaten up. You've got a lousy system, meaning the minor league system. And because of the elders that you have, notably Sid and Gino and Letang, you're not in a position to say, well, let's just build through the draft. That's why I'm here. I'm going to build through the draft. You won't get past, you won't even get through the front door for the interview. Never mind, get the job. So I really believe this will be a factor when it comes to Zucker. No one's going to like seeing him go. Zucker won't like seeing him go. But I just don't see how you can bring in someone new who, you know, optimally would be good at the job and then just tie their hands. Or in this case, having the GM tie his or her own hands that much further. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from Mike who says, should the new GM do a full court press and utilize 2023 first round pick, the 2024 first round pick, and Owen Pickering to improve this team. Now, when you say utilize, Mike, what you're saying is offer up as trade bait. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. It's getting dark outside, you know? Sid and Gino aren't going to be around forever. Latang's not going to be around forever. I still can't believe that for all the things that Hextall was seemingly unaware of 
that he wasn't aware of the fact that his job was in jeopardy, that he wasn't thinking, I got to do whatever I can. I got to sell out to get this right. He, he, you could say he did that with Granlund because it was insane that he got Granlund, even if it was for nothing, to take on the rest of that contract. But to send Nashville a second rounder, I mean, should have been fired on the spot. If the Penguins didn't have absentee owners, he probably would have been fired on the spot, or at least there's a possibility of it. That's how egregious that transaction was. If Mario was still the controlling owner, Hextall would have been gone. Like the moment someone finished telling him the terms of the deal. And Brian Burke would have probably been sent right out the door with him because that was Burke's only actual responsibility to make sure that stupid, crazy stuff like that didn't occur. But with someone who knows what they're doing, yeah, absolutely. Those are the only assets you got. You mentioned Owen Pickering. I don't know that he's an asset. And when you're talking about uh, someone who's projected as being a two or a three defenseman over the longer term, and he hasn't shown that at a higher level, really, than juniors, uh, you know, there's not a market for that. That's not a knock on him. I'm just telling you that there isn't a market for him. The other teams wouldn't be that interested in a player like that. You're better off holding on to someone like that and letting them build themselves up into something, which one would hope Pickering can do. Still extremely young. But first round picks? Oh, yeah. And those are gold. They're gold. And I'll tell you something else I'd consider doing if I was this GM. I'd be looking long and hard into asking teams to take on a Jeff Carter or a Mikhail Granlund, and I'd be offering significant draft picks in return if they do. Cap space, especially in the post-COVID flat cap era, is, well, here comes that term again, gold. It's just gold. If the Penguins could take the current cap space that they have and somehow make it, instead of $20 million, you know, take it up to $30 million or maybe even a little bit more, you can reinvent the roster. You can get the goaltender that you want. You can reinvent your bottom six. You can add some mobility to the blue line. I don't want to take this too far, but let's remember that the hardest pieces to get and theoretically the most expensive pieces to get are already here, with the exception of a goaltender. You're still looking at bottom six forwards. You're still looking at second and third line pairing defensemen. And you're still looking for the goalie and a backup goalie. That's not super crazy hypo expensive. And you can do that in a way that isn't idiotic. And if you're giving up, I wouldn't be sending out first rounders for this. I would consider sending them out for other purposes. But not for, you know, someone to take on a cap hit. But I'd be sending out second rounders for it. I'd absolutely be doing that. I'd be on the horn with every uh, Coyotes and Senators and whoever might be interested in that sort of practice. And say, however much somebody else is offering you to take on this cap hit, we'll do better. If they're offering you a third rounder, we'll offer you a second rounder. That's a way out. It's also not pleasant. 
It's also not a good feeling, same as it wouldn't be if Zucker left. But man, it's a heck of a lot better than going into the season, you know, the way Hextall did. Oh, the cap is just killing us. Oh, no, the cap. Cap this, cap that. Oh, Granlin's available? Well, now. <laughs> All right, guys, this has been fun. Thanks so much for the cues. Thanks for listening. And we will do this again Monday. 